The Lord has done great things for us. We are filled with joy. Six times we repeated that in the psalm. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with rejoicing. Every single verse of the psalm we read today had something to do with joy. And joy, that's what we seek, isn't it? Right? For ourselves as well as for those we love. But it doesn't end there. Heck, even people we don't really like that much but have to be around, we want them to have joy because they're just more pleasant when they have joy. From every aspect, joy is something we seek. So how do we make it happen? How can we attain joy ourselves and help others to experience it as well? Well, the answer is virtue. Last week, we introduced the concept of This Advent, working with God and His grace to become a gift, an ever better gift for God, for the people in our lives, and for our own selves. We're actively pursuing growth in virtue so as to become those true gifts by living up to the potential for holiness that God has placed within us. This week, we look at another dimension of virtue. Not only does it help us to do good things, to be good, it also gives us joy. Because when we are living virtuously, we are living as we were designed to live. We work, we function. Dr. Peter Kraft puts it well when he says, virtue is simply health of the soul. Virtue is not a set of rules But a man or woman fully alive, most truly the self that they were created to be, most fully free to thrive in life, rather than just kind of getting by, you know, existing, drifting through with no real meaning or purpose, just kind of going from one passing pleasure to another, never actually living for much. Virtue is what we're about this Advent because growth in virtue is the most effective pursuit of joy for ourselves and for others. And here's the kicker. Not only does us living a virtuous life make us happy, make others happy, it actually makes God himself delight. Because what loving father would not delight in his children flourishing? And that's what virtue does for us. It's us flourishing, thriving, living as we desire to live in the depths of our being. So, Covering the four cardinal or hinge virtues, we began last week with which virtue? Prudence. Prudence, that's right. And with prudence, we realize that it is that that marvelous virtue that's called the charioteer of the virtues because it is what helps us to know the good that is to be sought in any given encounter, to choose the best way to pursue that good, And then to actually put it into action, to really do it, to go through with that decision. Prudence is what directs us in all of the other virtues. And so last week, we reflected not just on what prudence is, but how we can grow in it. We committed ourselves to letting God be part of that process. From the first, looking at what our goal is, to the second, choosing among the various ways of pursuing that goal, which one is the best, and then actually following through with it. We committed ourselves to, in the morning, planning out our day with the Lord. Trying to think through it, pray through it. What are my goals this day? 
What is the best way to achieve them? And then at the end of the day, reflecting and saying with God, okay, how do we do? We might have done spectacularly with that this week. We might have 15 minutes after Mass already forgotten that we had committed ourselves to that. Well, that's why you have this week to continue to work on that habit, I pray. Because prudence is still important, but this week we move on to the next cardinal virtue. And that virtue... We read about a lot in today's first reading from Baruch. We read, Jerusalem, take off your robe of mourning and misery. Put on the splendor of glory from God forever, wrapped in the cloak of justice from God. And then, you will be named by God forever the peace of justice, the glory of God's worship. And finally, God is leading Israel in joy by the light of his glory with his mercy and justice for company. Justice, that second cardinal virtue. Before we speak of it in the abstract, what is it? We might ask our own selves, am I just? Like, am I a just person? I think our knee-jerk reaction is, of course I am. Have you met me? Come on, I'm fair. Other people, no, they're not, but I'm fair. Yeah, sometimes, though, it might merit deeper examination. Because as we're reflecting on how just we assume we are, we might say things like, well, I don't cheat. I mean, unless I have to. Plus, everybody else in class is doing it, and if we're grading on a curve, like, really, that's the only way that I can get through my classes. So I am a just person, but every now and then I just need to cheat. When I get back, get, ah, when I get back at people, it, it's because they had it coming. Right? They, they, I'm only giving them what they had coming. I'm just getting back. I'm getting even. Or we could say, I, I do more good than bad. So the bad stuff, I mean, it doesn't really matter because on, on the whole, I'm still coming out positive. My intentions are good. Or, and here's the one that we use so often, well, but I'm not as bad as him. Right? I mean, he's, look at him. Let's be distracted by how bad he is or bad, how bad she is. I'm better, so I'm just, right? Well, how about this week we look at it honestly? We take what might be the Lord's invitation to become more just than we assume we've been up to this point. And so we need to examine what justice is. The Catechism of the Catholic Church tells us justice is the moral virtue that consists in the constant and firm will to give their due to God and neighbor. The constant and firm will to give their due to God and neighbor. Okay, so give God what is due to him and give your neighbor what is due to him or her. That sounds simple enough, but also sounds pretty legalistic. Sounds like just cold transactions, like our life is just this contract between us and God and us and other people. Religion, we could look at as just a transaction where I, I have to give God blessings, or I have to give God worship, and then he is contractually obliged to give me blessings. And, and we might see our other relationships that way. Like, this is a transaction. I do good for you so that you can do good for me. But I think it's more than that. Right? That is not the full extent of justice. Rather, Dr. Peter Kraft writes... Virtue is simply health of the soul. Justice, the overall virtue, is the harmony 
of the soul as health is the harmony of the body. Justice is not just paying your debts, not just an external relationship between two or more people, but also, and first of all, the internal relationship within each individual among the parts of the soul. Right? It, before you can be just to other people, you have to have a certain healthy ordering within you. You have to have that peace within you before you can be an instrument of that peace for others. So he continues, justice is individual before it is social. We are just or unjust to ourselves before we are just or unjust to others. Justice is rightness, righteousness. Justice is beauty of the soul, soul art, soul music. What is art? What is music? It's harmony. It's balance. That is what justice is. Justice is you living a beautiful life. It's first of all a harmony between us and God. Then it's a harmony within ourselves created from that harmony with God. And then a harmony among us becomes possible. This brings us back to the catechism. The first kind of justice that is written about in the catechism is original justice. Original justice refers to the state of holiness in which God created our first parents. Right? So there was that first harmony within which all was right, all was ordered. Everybody was given their due. There was harmony in Eden. The first sin ruptured it. Every since Every sin since has been a further splintering, tearing us away from God, tearing us up within ourselves and tearing us apart from the people that we were called to love. The virtue of justice is meant to be what heals us in those three relationships, what restores the harmony for which we were created, what brings us back to having peace with God, peace within ourselves and peace among ourselves. So how can we do that? How can we become more just? Well, first, you remember that it's about you being just, not about them being perfect. Very often, the excuse that we make is, Father, if you met them, you would know, I can't be fair with these people. I can't be just with them. If you just knew the tricks that she pulls, I have to do, just to survive, I have to do my own share of injustice. You don't know how it is at my school. You don't know how it is at my work. It's not about that. It's not about the fact that we live in an unjust world. It's about the fact that your soul is more precious than this world. Is it a just soul or not? Too often we focus so much on the big picture of justice that we forget that it begins with us. So instead of just demanding a more just society, start contributing to the creation of that just society by being a more just person. You can ask yourself, what are the people in my life do? What do I owe them? What is God do? What, are my, what is my family, my friends, my coworkers, what are they do? My own self, what am I do? Then we can ask, what is the basis of what you owe to different people? Right? What is that based in? Well, two things. First, who or what they are their intrinsic dignity or lack thereof. And then second, who you are to them, what kind of relationship you have with them. 
What is not a basis of what you may owe them? How you feel about them. Right? It it is not contingent on whether you are angry at this person or not, whether you owe them due respect, kindness, compassion. It is not contingent on whether they have made you sad, whether they have hurt you, whether they are annoying you at this present moment. That doesn't change who they are or who you are to them. And those are the two bases for what you owe them. So let's apply those principles to the three main relationships we have, God, others, and ourselves. First, with God. Who is he? Well, we say every week, God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. So we see that this is the creator upon whom everything depends. We see that he is almighty, but we also see that he has invited us to be his children and to call him Father. So who are we to him? We're creatures. We received every single thing that we have from him. We are utterly and entirely dependent upon him. And yet he's called us to be his children, to have a relationship with him that is beyond slave and master, but is actually daughter and father, son and father. So what is due to him? Well, first of all, worship. The virtue of religion is is how we are just toward the Lord. Ignoring him, saying, oh, he'll still be there, it's okay. That's unjust. That breaks our soul. For us to ignore the very one upon whom we depend, that's unjust. And parents, you can understand this to some degree, right? When kids reach that age where you're like, do you not realize that I, like, keep you going, (laughs) I feed you, I give you a place to live, I give you clothing, I give you all things, and you're just like, well, you didn't give me this. That's how we are to God. Like, parents can see the injustice there, but how often do we see the injustice and how much we ignore God? He's given us 24 hours every single day, and it's like pulling teeth sometimes for us to give him one hour out of every week. We are due, he is due worship, trust, love, time, attention, everything. And yet, and here might be a little gut check for us, very often the people who most deserve our time and attention are the last ones to get it. I remember having to face that fact several times when I was a teenager. I did that to my parents, right? Because I knew that they would always be there. I completely took it for granted. They have to love me, so they'll still be there. And I would give my time and attention to friends whose love was much more fickle. Oh, if I don't respond today, they'll be mad at me. And so the people less deserving of my love, those who would turn away from me if I ignored them, they got my attention. Those who were more deserving of my love, they got my neglect. How often is that the case with God? He's big, he'll still be there, he'll understand, I can ignore him. He's not hurt by it, but my soul is. It becomes less and less just the more that I am unjust toward the Lord. Others. What is due to the people in my life? First of all, who or what are they? Well, they're fellow creatures. They are absolutely equal to me in dignity. And that's not just when they're not being annoying. No, when they're being annoying, when they're even being hurtful. When they are bad, when we're angry at them, that doesn't change who they are, which is creatures made in the image and likeness of God himself, invited to be his very children. Who am I to them? 
Well, they're a fellow creature. They're equal. Even my children. At the end of the day, even though I have a certain spiritual authority over them, a, a, a grave responsibility for their eternal welfare, they're my equals in dignity. I'm not, it's not a master and slave relationship there. Do I treat them that way? I am brother and sister to everybody before I'm anything else. But to some of them, I have an additional role. To some, you're a parent. To others, you're a child. To some, you are a boss. To others, an employee. And it goes on and on. So what is due to all of them? Well, obviously, it's not one size fits all. Everybody gets one cookie and just move along. Like, it's not this cheap egalitarianism. The virtue of justice is to be able to look at each person and to honestly say, what do I owe this person? There are the certain basics of dignity, respect. As a Christian, I'm called also to have love and charity. But what I give to each person at any given time, that's where I need to develop this virtue of being able to actually ask that question in real time. Who is this person? Based upon that, what is, what is owed to them? What is my relationship to them? How does that further develop my idea of what I owe them in this moment? A man named David Breitenbeck has some good advice in an article he wrote titled, The Key to a Great Relationship is Justice. Right? It's not passion. It's not uh, love. It's not even kindness. Justice. He writes, like all virtues, justice is a habit. And you can begin to build the habit of justice by examining the different areas of your life. Your job, your family, your friends, etc. And asking yourself what your duties are with regards to each. For instance, your job has the right to a certain quality of work from you. Make sure that you're offering it to them. Your parents have the right to be honored and obeyed. See if there is more you could be doing for them. And if you are in a romantic relationship, ask yourself whether you are offering the other what they are due. This doesn't mean you have to draw up a list of rules, only that you need to ask certain general questions. Am I honoring her? Am I respecting him? Am I supporting and helping her? Am I being faithful to him? Above all, do I let my own feelings, or what I, know, what I know to be right, dictate how I treat her? And this leads us to, I think, one of the key points in how we are unjust toward each other. We have unjust expectations. We expect others to be someone other than who they actually are. And we're perpetually frustrated with them because we expect them to be A. They stubbornly persist in being B, and we never have peace in the relationship. We burden them with the unjust expectation that they read our minds sometimes. How often is it that we're perpetually disappointed with a child, with a spouse, with a friend, with a boss, with a coworker because they're not mind readers? They don't understand what we need but haven't yet expressed. Or we expect them to have this this immediate transformation. The moment that we tell them, this is what I need, we expect them to be able to perfectly fulfill it. Then when they fail in that, oh, we are so angry at that. How many people in our lives have we been unjust toward because of the expectations we've saddled them with? And that actually applies to God as well. 
How often do we give him the silent treatment because he stubbornly refused to be what we expected him to be? That is, a genie that was supposed to grant our wish when we prayed for this. We didn't get it, and so we're mad. We're frustrated. But we forget that God is not an ATM machine. God is not a genie. God is a loving father, and loving fathers often have to tell their children, no, and you you don't understand right now. Someday you might, but out of love for you, I have to say no. But it doesn't just apply to others and to God. This one, I think, is the bridge to ourselves. How are we just or unjust to our own selves? And here, how often is it that we have unjust expectations? So we can ask, what do you expect of yourself? Is that really a just expectation? Do you resent yourself for falling short of that expectation? So let's look at what you are due, what you actually owe yourself. First, who are you? A child of God. Nothing changes that. No matter how this past week has been, this past month, year, no matter what you've done, you are a child of God. So who are you to yourself? What is your relationship to your own body, to your own soul? Well, you're a steward, not a master. You are not self-created. God made you, and he said, take good care of this precious life. So, what do you owe yourself? Care. You, You owe that to the body that God gave you to care for it well. You owe that to the soul that God gave you to nourish it with a communion with him. You owe it to yourself to cultivate virtue, to live up to potential, to be that saint that God created you to be. And so this week, I invite you today or tomorrow to take 15 minutes. I know, you've already taken over 15 minutes listening to me today. So this is 15 extra minutes that you take to be able to reflect on how you're doing in terms of justice toward God, toward others, and toward yourself. If it's helpful, write it down. And then each morning this week, choose one way to be able to be more just toward God. One way to be more just to at least one person in your life. And one way to be more just to yourself that day. Then every evening reflect. Did you do it? How did it go? And are you starting to experience a little bit of the joy that is engendered by justice? This week, as much as last, we remember that our growth in virtue is a recognition that God made us not out of necessity, but as pure gift. Our great joy this Advent and Christmas is to work with his grace to build up the virtues that make us the best gift possible.